Welcome to Figuring It Out. I'm Ashley Garrison. I'm a 21-year-old rising senior at Columbia who's, well, figuring things out. I started this podcast for everyone out there who is just trying to get their lives together, whether that means picking a college major or deciding what to do after graduation. On each episode, I'll be interviewing some peers who I really admire about how they're navigating college, friendships, their careers, and everything in between. Those peers are doing pretty cool things. They're fighting for social justice, winning NCAA fencing championships, and more. We'll discuss things like how they overcame obstacles and learned to be okay with change. I am very excited to learn from all of these conversations, and I hope you'll join me so we can figure things out together. I'm speaking with a very special guest today, Elise Vanderwood is a rising senior at Yale, where she has done literally everything under the sun. She's worked in a psych lab, in another lab, she was on the school's mock trial team, and she's also my best friend of nine years. This episode is a little different. Today, we're just trying to figure out how to be happy, because honestly, it can be difficult, and it's not something that we necessarily learn. And as a college student, I find that sometimes literally everything else comes before my own well-being because I'm trying to meet a deadline or get that internship, or maybe I'm just trying to stay afloat. And the past few months have been particularly challenging for many reasons. There is a lot of uncertainty because of the pandemic, but there's also a lot of social unrest and racially charged violence and police brutality. And I have honestly found it difficult to navigate some of my days, I can't lie. And I've heard from friends that they feel the same way. So I really hope you get something out of this episode. But more importantly, I hope you take some time to think about your own well-being and happiness. I am wishing you all the happiness in the world. And I'm sending you good vibes. Here's my talk with Elise. Hi, Elise. Thank you so much for being here. I feel like This is long overdue, Um, so I'm very happy that you are here on the podcast. I'm happy to be here. So first, before we get started, I just wanted you to introduce yourself to the world. So yeah, just tell us who you are, what school you go to, all of that. Okay, for sure. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Elise. I am also a rising senior, like Ashley. I go to Yale University. Um, I'm studying the history of science, medicine, and public health, which is a little bit of a mouthful. Um, I'm pre-med, and I've known Ashley since we were, I think, 12 years old. We met in the seventh grade um, when I was living in Michigan. I now live in Los Angeles. So just to give the listeners uh, more context on the idea behind this episode. This episode is inspired by many things. It's inspired by a message that I got from someone about this happiness podcast, which is based off of an, an, another podcast that is based off of a class at Yale that basically just teaches students how to be happy. So someone messaged me on Instagram and showed me that podcast, and I thought it would be an interesting topic to discuss. Just especially given all of the current events and everything that's going on, I find that it is a challenge to figure out how to be happy amidst so much turmoil. And also just my experience of being in quarantine, I felt like the first two weeks were especially challenging. Um, Just all the news that I was seeing was definitely uh, taking a toll on me and my just like personal mental health and state of happiness. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk about happiness, how we define it, what it means to us, how we achieve it. Um, Especially as college students, I feel like it's a struggle. And I also feel like it's something that gets put on the back burner. So that's why I have Elise here because she's my best friend. I feel like she has a good grasp on mental health in a non-shallow way because I think sometimes people talk about mental health and self-care and they're like, eat a donut or something like that. And um, I, I don't think that's really what it's about. So Yeah, we are going to get into that. So the first question that I wanted to dive into is how do you, Elise, define happiness? You know, I was thinking about this when we knew when you told me that this was going to be the topic for this um, for this conversation. And I actually Googled happiness because I wanted to see what the Internet said. And it took me to different synonyms. And I went to content 
And then that said the state of being happy. So then I went to the synonyms for that and it said satisfied, satisfaction. And I realized that for me, a big part of it is feeling satisfied with myself, satisfied with my relationships, satisfied with where I am in life. And I think that, you know, for anyone that is a little bit of an overachiever, who anyone who is striving, you're never going to be fully satisfied. You always want to make things better. And that's healthy. That's normal. But I think to have a basic satisfaction, mainly with who you are and yourself, for me, that's, I, I believe that's happiness for me. Yeah, it's interesting that you looked up the definition and went to the synonyms because I did that exact same thing. <laughs> and the one that I fixated on was content and also pleasure. But yeah, I think for me, happiness, I guess I don't necessarily approach being happy from the true definition. I think about feelings of content and I guess also satisfaction is pretty much the, pretty much the same thing, but just feeling like I am content with what I'm doing, who I am every day when I wake up. Um, and in terms of pleasure, I think that's interesting because I don't think I necessarily think about you know, when, I, when I'm thinking, am I happy? I don't necessarily think, oh, am I like finding pleasure in things? I, I think that's a really interesting w- way to look at it and to think about it. But I guess for me, the way that I define happiness is also in terms of defining it and also is thinking about the things that I'm not. So if I'm not anxious, if I'm not stressed, if I'm not comparing myself to others, if I'm not worried, like that would clue me in that I am happy. But I I just think it's interesting to try and define an emotion like that. It's almost kind of like trying to quantify something that's really hard to quantify. And I don't think that college students especially spend enough time thinking about that. Because I also think that when you say like, how do you define happiness? The key there is how do you define happiness? So when you are trying to define happiness, it leads you to really reflect on what do you value in your life, you know? Definitely. I think it's one of those things that there's so many different definitions. It really depends on the person. And so while we were talking about defining it, I'm also interested in how you measure happiness. And do you, like, do you consciously measure it? Do you consciously assess how you're feeling when you're going through the days at Yale? Do you think like, how happy am I today on a scale of one to 10? Um, in terms of how I measure happiness, I think that in the past, it's been a lot about success. How successful am I, which I've usually measured by grades or, um, when I was in high school, getting into a certain university. Um, but I think that I've come to measure it by, Am I at peace? I kind of said this a little bit earlier, but am I at peace with myself? Am I satisfied with myself? Um, And am I at peace with the people that I surround myself with? That can definitely uh, contribute to your happiness or your unhappiness. Um, I think that in terms of do I really think about it on a day-to-day basis, I don't. I wish that it played a little bit more in to um, my everyday thoughts, but I think that we get really busy as students and just as people, and so it's difficult. But I, I will say that every once in a while, it pops into my mind, and I do think about it. Something that you said that really stood out to me was that you don't necessarily, you know, on a day-to-day basis, think about that, and that you wish that you did. Because I was, you know, reflecting as I was drafting these questions, and I don't know that I consciously think about like, oh, am I happy today? But I will say that when I wake up, I do find myself thinking about, oh, like, do I just feel good? And I guess that's how I measure my state of being and my happiness, right? Like I base it off of how I feel when I first wake up in the morning. Like when I wake up, am I somewhat excited or just enthusiastic about the day? Or do I feel like, I don't even want to get out of bed. This day is a drag. I want to fast forward to next week. And I think that the way that I measure whether something is wrong is if I'm consistently having days where when I wake up, I just feel like meh, you know, (laughs) that's how I know that something is off because 
you know, when you first wake up, nothing has happened to you that should put you in a bad mood, right? Like if you are waking up and you're just angry at the world and that's, that, that, that's been me sometimes, like you're waking up and you're just mad, like something is wrong, you know, you have to, you have to evaluate. I agree. I agree. And I think that kind of goes back to um, the finding happiness within yourself thing, because every day, now you could have really good days, but there are days where people, things are going to try you. And it really depends on, okay, I can accept that things might happen, but at the end of the day, it's not going to ruin my life because I'm happy with who I am. Yeah. Yesterday we were planning for the episode and I was telling Elise how in the past, and it still happens sometimes now, but I think I'm better about it. But in the past, especially if I was already a little bit stressed about something or just kind of already on the edge a little bit, if I had a bad experience, even in Starbucks, in the Starbucks line, right? If someone was rude or, you know, in the dining hall, if someone just like stepped in front of me or pushed my backpack. That's that's my real triggers if someone pushes my backpack. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, if something little like that happened, it would throw me off for hours. I would just be pissed off. Like, can't believe that person did that. <laughs> like, why did they do that? And when you think about it, is it really about, you know, that little thing that happened? No. And so one thing that I've been working on is not letting little things ruin my entire day and also not letting bad days ruin my entire week, right? Because I've learned that you can have a bad day, you can accept that, and you can decide to move on the next day, or you can decide to make it another bad day and another bad day, and then it just spirals. But I also, I wanted to talk about how you chose your major, because for people listening, Elise is currently pre-med, but she's not majoring in bio or chemistry or whatever else um, people sometimes major in. So when you were choosing a major and deciding to be pre-med, how did you figure that out? Was that a decision that was guided by happiness or a desire for stability or what? So in terms of my major, I definitely wanted to do something that made me happy. That is something that I will say it wasn't really driven by anything else. I think that for me, I felt that because I was going to medical school. Um, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I've heard that they don't really care what you major in. Then I wanted to take the time to do something that really made me happy. Um, because I knew I was going to have to take very difficult prereqs and I'm uh, science prereqs. And I know that I'm the kind of person that if I don't have anything that I enjoy, that's going to be an unpleasant experience for me. I really wanted to enjoy my college experience. I've always loved history. Um, ever since I was a little girl, it was my favorite subject. Um, and I was so lucky at this university to find a major that kind of combined two of my interests because it's the history of medicine. So it is a history major. It is history, but it's focused on, it, there's a great relation to medicine. And I've learned a lot of things that I still think will be relevant in the future, but it is something that I can honestly say, I love my classes. I go into my classes excited. And for me, it was really important to do something that I just enjoyed. Did you at all feel any pressure to do something like a serious major? Or do you find that there is any type of side eye about history majors at Yale? I think that that's a pretty, I, I know a lot of history majors at Yale. I think that I'm not going to say it. I don't think it, I wouldn't call it a stigma, but I do think that it is one of those majors where people sometimes say, what are you going to get a, uh, as a job after college? You know, I think that it's one of those ones along with people might say English where they would say that it's not going to lead to stable business prospects. Um, but I feel like at the end of the day, it really depends on, what you're going to do with it. And I think that if you, you know, you can make, you can make something out of anything. Um, and for me, since I knew that I wanted to go to medical school, it just, I'd rather just do what I want to do in college. Yeah. I remember when I was trying to, trying to decide what else to major in, it was literally one of the worst experiences of my life. But I would not trade that experience for anything because I really, really, really learned that 
if you genuinely hate doing something, it is very, very, very difficult to stick with that. And I'm glad I realized that early because I don't know, I could have tried to pursue some career that Mm -hmm. I had no passion in thinking, oh, but it's going to lead to this benefit and I'll just be able to, to march through. And what I realized is that me personally, I can't just march through if I hate it, right? Like if I genuinely find zero joy in it, it's very hard for me to continue to show up, to continue to try. Like, I don't, I don't even know. I feel like people that, that do that and can find a way to just, to muddle through. I, I have some level of respect for those people <laughs> because I can't do that. And I think I also realized like I was so afraid of what people would think. And, you know, if they went on my LinkedIn page and they saw English major, what would they think? But in reality, no one cares what you're majoring in. I've never asked someone what they're majoring in. And then they tell me, and then I think, oh, like that person is a bad person or like, you know, I completely agree. I really think it's something that depends on the person, it's the same thing about, you know, what school you go to. I think that it really depends on who you are, you know, at the end of the day and what you make out of it. Um, and so it's better, I think, if you if you want to enjoy yourself, try to enjoy yourself. Yeah. And while we're talking about enjoying ourselves, um, I also wanted to ask you about how you just genuinely stay happy or stay not upset at college, given that you are so busy and you have, you know, all these deadlines to meet, all these responsibilities for people listening, at least literally had like four different jobs uh, last year in school. I don't even, I can't even list all the jobs. You worked at the dining hall, like list it off. List it off. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I think last year was Maybe I I would say that this past fall semester was the worst. I worked in the dining hall. I worked in a lab. I worked in another lab. I then had my other lab that was for credit. I had mock trial. I had a club where I would teach health education to local uh, middle schools. Um, That was my docket. And that was a lot. I think one thing to know is that it is important not to overload yourself, which I had to learn the hard way. Um, I think sometimes one of the hardest things to do, especially if you're a person that wants to do everything is to sit back and say, I can't do everything and to be okay with that. Um, I found so much happiness when I realized that it's okay to not do everything under the sun and to just focus on a few things and do them really well. Um, So that's one of the things that helped me a lot, to be honest, is just cutting out a couple of those things. Other than that, um, what I try to do every weekend, I try to carve out a few hours to myself because I find a lot of joy in alone time. So usually Saturday night, that's my night. I watch a show or I watch a movie. I get food from a restaurant instead of a dining hall. Just little things that help me through my day. Um, Or, you know, we do our, Ashley and I do our trips, um, you know, where I'll go to New York and see her or she'll come to Connecticut and see me. And that really helps. That breaks it up. That breaks up the, the monotonous life a little bit. Um, but one thing I was, I've been trying to do a little bit more this year is try to find a little bit more happiness, um, just during the, during school versus always looking forward to something and just saying, I can't wait till this is over. I can't wait till my break is here. Obviously I'm always going to feel happiness when there's a break. But I think it's also important to find some happiness along the way. One thing I've done is try to, you know, in some of my classes, some of my more challenging classes, studying with someone that's really fun to study with, um, that has really helped because it makes it a little less painful. Stuff like that, just to just to try to enjoy myself along the way as well. Yeah. And you mentioned that you take time on the weekends, specific times where you will just watch a show or even go to the movie theater. I didn't even know that you were doing this until this past year, but I think I texted you one time and you didn't respond. I'm like, where is this child? 
And then you text me three hours later, oh, I was in the movies. I'm like, you go to the movies in the school year? Um, But Elise is really good about having boundaries for herself. Like she will say, okay, I'm not, I think Saturday night is a night where, where you don't do things, right? You don't do any work. That's right. And I really, really respect that because I think what that forces you to do is to be, you know, productive earlier in the day on Saturday or on Friday or whatever, so that you are able to take that time. I think I'm somewhat good about that. The the busier I am, I think the more, the, the better I am at setting boundaries for myself because I'm like, I'm just not going to do work at this specific time. But I think that's also something that I need to work on a little bit because I have definitely been in the library on a Friday night at 9 p.m. And um, I mean, sometimes it's not necessarily a bad thing because sometimes me doing that allows me to not feel overloaded on Sunday, right? So it's it's give and take. But yeah, I think you are really good about, you know, separating your work from your play. I can try to do that. The one other thing I'll add to that um, question is just, this doesn't work for everyone because different people have different study styles, but I, and Ashley knows this, I literally don't study in my dorm room. I don't do it. I I want a separation of church and state with my schoolwork and my relaxed time. Of course, there are times where I'm a little bit lazy. I'll finish something in my room, of course. But typically, I do all my work in a library or a cafe. And I found that mentally, that really helps me unwind in my dorm. To answer my own question, in terms of staying happy in college, especially in times of induced, in times of increased stress, it's hard. It's hard because at college, no matter what, you have to keep showing up. You could, your life could be falling to pieces, right? You could literally be that one meme where I think this is a SpongeBob meme, but it's like the world behind him is just on fire or something. Yeah. Like that's you sometimes in college, but no matter what your, your professors expect you to show up to class. They expect you to turn in work. And I found that what's helpful for me is meditation. Sometimes I'm not always great about meditating and I only do it for five minutes. I'm not going to, I don't, I don't have 30 minutes to just sit there and like, I don't have that. But I have five minutes, right? I can show up for myself for five minutes. And I think I've also accepted the fact that I'm not always going to be happy. And I think that's something that needs to be normalized. I totally agree. I definitely think that needs to be normalized. Um, That's just not realistic (laughs) for every second of your life for you to feel joyful. I think that the import or joyous, I think the important thing, though, is overall, overall, are you content? And that's what I try to look for. Yeah. And I I think I've also learned that I can't equate productivity and success to happiness. I will fail because I will fail myself every single time because I'm never going to be as productive as I want it to be. There's always something else I could be doing. There's always something coming down the pipeline. I mean, you know how it is in school. As soon as you finish one assignment, Another one is thrown at you. So you'll never truly feel like, oh, I'm winning. I'm on top of it. Especially if you look over and your neighbor is like, I'm winning, but I'm also the chair of three different clubs and I'm also working downtown and I'm, all, and then you're like, oh no, I'm losing. Like, and, you, and then you lose your mind. So I've learned that, you know, it's okay for me to not be productive. And, and also like, why does pr- productivity just like mean working? For me, it's also productive sometimes to sit and watch an episode of The Office. Like that is mentally productive for me. And I've what I've had to realize is that before I am a student or an employee, or when I was working, working at SPEC, before I was, before I'm any of those things, I'm a human being, right? And so it's okay if I'm just being a human and if I'm just existing. I totally agree. And also another another person that I interviewed on the podcast a couple weeks ago, he was talking about how sometimes he's just getting through the day. And I think like that, that kind of just defines my college experience, right? Like sometimes the goal isn't, oh, I just, I want to feel so happy. Sometimes the goal is I want to get through this week without feeling like I'm breaking down, right? Like, Yeah. And I think sometimes you just have to accept that. I think that there's almost a, a um, relief, 
a relief in realizing that you can't do everything and that there are going to be weeks that are going to be bad. And there's going to be times when a success is getting to class on time. And sometimes you just have to be okay with that. Hello. I'm taking a short pause from the episode to share some words from my peers. I reached out to a few young people who inspire me to ask them the question, how do you define happiness and what makes you happy? Galen told me that he defines happiness as what produces the most joy for him in the long term. He finds happiness in things like eating his favorite food and seeing his friends succeed. For Tyra, happiness is a continuous self-awareness of the abundance and beauty of the universe. Ashley said that happiness is gratitude. Bryson finds happiness in sushi, friends, and family. Isabella said happiness is all about letting go of others' expectations and chasing your own joy. And my producer Amy reached out to some people too. They said that they find happiness in things like sunshine, dancing in the kitchen, and playing music in front of a live audience. I just thought these responses were too good not to share. This week was a rough one, and hearing from my peers actually put a smile on my face. Now, let's get back to the episode. I also wanted to talk about happiness in terms of decision-making and whether or not you feel like a desire to be happy drives your decision-making, because to bring um, Aristotle into this, from what I remember, <laughs> Aristotle said that happiness is the final good, right? Like that's the thing that you aim for or you strive for. Do you feel like happiness drives, you know, the classes that you take or the extracurriculars that you choose and should it, or do you feel like sometimes, you know, you do things and they don't necessarily bring you happiness, but you feel like in the long term it'll bring you happiness because it'll help you get to where you want to be? I think it's a mix of the two. Um, so in terms of classes, I would say something I try to do is I, you know, I chose a major that I love, but I'm not taking major classes all the time. I have to take my science prereqs for medical school, which are very difficult. Um, but what I always try to do is make half of my classes stuff that I love. And then the other half might be a challenging chemistry lab or something that's, you know, getting on my last nerve. But I know that the other half is stuff I really love. Sometimes it's balance. I think with um, like the extracurriculars I do, I never, I try never to do something that I dislike. You know, I always, I want my extracurriculars to be something that I like. Some things I've done have been more practical, but they're never something that I don't like. And if I find that I don't like it, I stop at a certain point, um, especially with an extracurricular. I, I don't really think it's worth it to continue doing it if it's making you unhappy. I was telling you, I had a lab, one of those la several labs that I was doing um, last semester. I would go every day and I, I didn't like it. I was unhappy. I had a supervisor that I was having issues with. I would have anxiety <laughs> just going to lab and it was supposed to be something that I enjoyed doing and that I had to, I had to put a stop to that. Um, but there are some things also, I think it's important to realize that you, you're not going to love every second of it, but it will, you know, maybe get you to a place where you want to go. And that's something that I struggled with a lot being pre-med, um, because, I was interested in medicine and I, and I um, wanted to be a physician and I had shadowed doctors and done that sort of thing. So I was pretty confident that I would like doing that. But a lot of the pre-med classes, what they don't tell you is a lot of them, they're not really related to what you're doing as a doctor. And sometimes you don't like, you know, it can be difficult. You're not always happy doing them. Um, for me, I realized that the end result was worth, um, was worth those classes I don't like, but for some people that might not be the case and that's okay too. It's just for me, that's what I realized. Yeah. I will say that sometimes I do things that I may not necessarily love doing in the moment because I think that it will reap me some type of long-term happiness or, or benefit. 
And a good example of this is, you know, sometimes choosing to not do the fun thing that I want to do and do the more responsible thing, right? Because, you know, I know that if I don't do the responsible thing on Sunday night, I'm going to be having a meltdown um, and I'll have a major case of the Sunday scaries, which I really try to avoid. Um, I think another example is how we were getting up to work out. I think this was spring semester of sophomore year. I don't know why we, well, I, I do know why we decided to do this, but we decided to get up and work out at 7 a.m., I think. Seven. I would say I would say three times a week we were doing this. And it was one of the most painful things I've ever done in my entire like that that walk to Dodge Athletic Center, which is way in the back of campus. Columbia students, you all know how far Dodge is. It was it was hard, right? But like I would feel good afterwards. And then over time, I just felt so much better, even though in the moment I hated it and I hated waking up that early and I hated feeling like, ugh, like I could be sleeping for this 90 minutes and instead I'm like on an elliptical machine. But yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes you do have to recognize, it's like what we were saying earlier, not every second is going to be um, a picnic, but um, if it will bring you some sort of joy, it can be worth doing. But if you're doing things that don't bring you any joy before, now, in the future, maybe that's something to reconsider. And how do you deal with the bad days and deal with disappointment? Because I think disappointment is a feeling, disappointment in myself, right, is a feeling that throws off my my state of being and my happiness, like like nothing else, right? Like if I underperform, this is this is so tied to the last episode that I did because one of the guests was talking about how he will sometimes like aim to do really well at a fencing tournament and then he doesn't and then or he'll tell himself he's going to do well and then maybe he doesn't do as well as he thought and he'll feel disappointed. And I just feel like disappointment in oneself is something that can really really throw you off. So how do you how do you deal with that? Like let's say you don't do as well on an exam as you thought or let's say, you know, a club isn't going the way that you thought it would be going. That is honestly something that's probably one of the things I struggle with the most, I think is, you know, dealing with disappointment and dealing with disappointment in yourself and overthinking something. For example, an exam. Um, I'm the kind of person that will think about all the things I could have done differently. And if I had just answered this question differently, I would have had this many more points and it would have gotten me this much higher and this or that or the other. Um, so I think that that is something that is kind of a continuous process, working through that and getting better with that. Um, it's not something that I have solved. I'm figuring it out, but I do think that what I try to do is one of the best things you can do is to just acknowledge that it happened, acknowledge that it was something that you did not want to happen. I think it's also important, like any kind of loss, even if a test is, you know, relatively a small loss to mourn the loss. It's okay to be upset for a little bit and just, you know, and just be upset. Sometimes you need to wallow a little bit. And then after you do that, you have to accept what happened and then figure out, okay, why do I think it went wrong? What, what was it that caused the problem? And sometimes that will be a short um, fix, a small fix, or sometimes it's more of a long-term fix, you know, in the case of a test. Maybe it's just, I'm not checking my answers. I really need to be better at checking my answers. That's something you can fix pretty quickly. Or sometimes it's, I really don't understand the material. I have to start putting in the time and going to office hours every week, even though I don't want to, and even though I have a club. But sometimes that's just what you have to do. And I think that acknowledging, accepting, finding out the source of the problem and figuring out a way to attack it is kind of one of the things I've done that's helped me deal with disappointing things. Yeah, I think in terms of tests, for some reason, I am really good about, you know, let's say I take a test, it goes terribly. 
you know, I take it, I walk out of the room. I'm like, yeah, I failed. And I just, I, I'm upset maybe for a little bit. <laughs> and then I just, I move on. And I don't, know why, I don't know why I'm good about that. I think, I think that the times when I'm bad about it is if I feel like I really, really put in the work and for some reason it went wrong. But oftentimes, and also I don't even take classes that require tests anymore. Now that I'm an English major, a lot of my work is essays or projects. But, you know, for a while I was taking classes that had lots of exams. And the thing that I realized is that oftentimes when I did poorly or not even poorly, sometimes just not that great, it was my own fault, right? Like it was because I didn't prepare as hard as I should have, or I, I procrastinated a little bit, or maybe I didn't manage my time. I think managing my time poorly happens more often than like intentionally procrastinating. Like I, I never intentionally just say, I'm going to do this at the last minute. Like, I don't like that feeling, but sometimes that happens because I don't manage my time as well as I should. But the point is that oftentimes I know what I did wrong. And so when I have that, that bad result, I feel like, okay, this sucks, but I brought this on myself and I just need to be better next time. But in general, I think accepting your feelings for what they are and, and allowing yourself to be upset and to not be okay, that's really important to do. And in college, sometimes that can feel impossible because I find that in college, it's this, it's this weird uh, balance, right? Of people normalizing not being happy and being stressed, but then also sometimes pretending to be really happy. And it can kind of throw you off, right? Because sometimes you'll feel like, wait, am I the only person that's like struggling right now? This goes back to the floating duck syndrome that Smith was talking about. Um, and I don't know, it's just weird, but yeah, like I said, I've learned that I'm going to have some bad days, but that doesn't mean that I'm not learning. It doesn't mean that I'm not growing just because I get a bad grade doesn't mean that I'm any less intelligent than I was before I got the bad grade. Um, but I also think getting off campus can be important because I need to sometimes dissociate from Columbia, from the Columbia community. I need to, you know, step away from my identity as a student and just be a human being. And so I will go downtown. I will go to the New York Public Library and just chill. I will go to Jamal's office <laughs> um, and literally save up so hard during the week or during the month so that I can go to Jamal and have him do my hair um, because that brings me joy, right? Not looking absolutely terrible. And I also think that I will go ghost sometimes on social media if I'm having a hard time. I find that social media is the worst place to go if you are feeling down because everyone is pretending like they're up and sometimes they're not pretending like, you know, people are genuinely happy mm-hmm. sometimes on there, but it, it's not what I need to be. It's not what I need to see if I'm having a hard time. So I have to get off my phone sometimes and delete the app. I actually, for people listening, I frequently give Elise my Instagram password, have her change it so that I cannot go in and I can't look at all the avocado toasts that people are posting and all of their like going out pics. Like sometimes I'll be in the library and people are like, they're going out on Instagram and I'm like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> Definitely. I think it's really good too that you kind of know your limits with that um, and that you do just put a stop to it because it isn't reality most of the time. Something that I have learned just in life, um, in college and outside is there are so many people out there where you will think they have it all figured out and there's other things going on beneath the surface. You know, I've had so many conversations with people where I never would have thought that they were going through X or Y or that they were feeling X or Y. And it just goes to show you how important it is not to compare. And now that's a challenge. I am guilty of doing that. But um, you just really never know what people are going through. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's very true. And I think that there have been so many days, more than I can even count, where I literally am going through the day and it feels like I'm being beat up. (laughs) 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 <laughs> it feels like I'm 
feels like I'm fighting Mike Tyson, right? (laughs) That would not be a good feeling because that's how challenging some of those days are. That's how maybe down I feel about something that I'm frustrated about or just something that's not going my way. And then I, I always, at the end of the day, when I'm in bed, I always reflect, sometimes unintentionally, sometimes your mind just kind of wanders and you go through everything that happened in the day. And sometimes I have days where at the end, I'm like, literally what happened to me today? Like, what what went wrong? Like, how did how did all of these things happen? But then it's also this kind of like triumphant joy because you're like, I made it through this. Like, think think about some of the things that we've made it through, Elise. Like, we we just, we kept showing up for ourselves. We kept kept going. I don't know how we did it, but I agree. And I feel like sometimes it's just important to realize that you won't always feel the accomplishment when you're um, making it, like when you're in the process. Um, For example, when I was in high school, I was always thinking I should be doing more. So-and-so's doing more than me. I wish my GPA was higher, this or that or the other. Um, And I didn't really spend a lot of time crediting myself on the things I did well. And now when I look back at high school, Ashley, I honestly don't know how I did it. Like the fact that we would get up every single morning, just the fact that we were getting up and starting class before 8 a.m., that in and of itself (laughs) is an accomplishment to me. The fact that I was going through that and I was doing like fairly well you know, so I think that sometimes you have to realize too that it won't always feel really great or you won't always feel like I've I've achieved it when you're doing it. But when you look back, you'll realize I really did something. Yeah, I agree with you. That's how I feel about my sophomore year at Columbia. But <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you know, that was that was just rocky. I would say that spring semester things got better, right? But that was because I I hold myself accountable, right? I really had to step back and think, what am I doing that's bringing me this unhappiness? How am I sabotaging myself? Am I maintaining a friendship with someone that is, you know, and you know who I'm talking about? I do. Someone that that is <laughs> that is detrimental to my mental health. And why am I doing that? And so second semester, I went in with this whole new philosophy, which is the goal is to transform my life. Right. And I put a little bit of, I put less emphasis on trying to do all the readings, trying to just be so stellar. And I put more emphasis on things like, you know, assessing my well being, doing things that genuinely bring me joy, like getting off campus once a week, at least exercising on a regular basis, you know, things like that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with Sometimes, you know, you have to take a semester and prioritize something else besides the academics. And that's okay. I also I also don't think that, you know, having one semester like that, that doesn't look terrible, you know, on a transcript. At least it doesn't in my mind. But I also asked you to come with a question for me. So I was wondering if you wanted to ask that now. I would love to. Um, So something that we hear about often um, in my school and just on Facebook is, and from you, I've heard that there is this stress culture at Columbia where people are often comparing how stressed they are. And it's almost like you're bragging to say how much stress you have and that this kind of unhappiness is normalized at the at the university. And I wanted to see if you think that that's true. If so, how does it affect you? And how do you think it affects the people around you that you know at Columbia? Yeah, I think it's very real. And I think it is very normalized, as you said. I think that what it partially stems from is just like the ambitiousness of the people there, right? They just want to do so many things. I think it also maybe has something to do with where we're located, right? Mm -hmm. I think it can be hard to be in New York where you feel like everyone's hustling, everyone's working super hard, everyone's starting a new company, like literally starting a company um, in college. That's something I hear about all the time. (laughs) And it can be hard to hear about those things and then just be like, okay, but I'm literally just going to school, right? And so people will push themselves to do 10 different things. And then 
overwork themselves, get burnout, keep going. And then it just becomes a cycle and it's hard to step away from. But I think it is very real. And the way that I personally deal with it is I think over time, the people that I am hanging out with aren't so much the people that are subjecting themselves to some crazy standards, right? Like I, I think a lot of my friends actually, they're majoring in things that they're passionate about. They're not doing 10 different clubs. They're maybe, they're maybe doing one thing that brings them joy and they're okay with that. Right. And I think that having people around you that have a similar mindset and that aren't driving themselves crazy is a good thing. I think that sometimes it can almost be very attractive to, to talk to someone that's also very stressed and then to just talk about how stressed you are. There's, there's a, a, a joy that you get from that. And I've done that before, right? Like, oh my God, I'm so stressed. Oh my God. And then like, I have the Red Bull and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to chug this Red Bull, right? <laughs> and it's just like, you think about it and it's like, that, that is so stupid, right? Like one of my friends, I hope she listens to this, but Katie, like we've been in, we've been in Milstein Library, which is the library at Barnard so many times where I've had like my Red Bull and I'm just like, ah, like just freaking out. And she's great because she's not going to feed into that. She's not going to, you know, she's not going to be like, oh yeah, me too. And like, she's not going to go get a vain tea coffee and like get super charged up to study until 4am with me. She's not, she's going to leave probably at 12. And then in a way that's going to motivate me to leave a little bit earlier. Cause I'm, I'm by myself then. I'm like, wait a minute, should I just go to sleep? And I think that's something that really helps. But I think everyone deals with it a little bit differently because I also know people that are very, very overworked and very tired, but they don't necessarily show it, right? I mean, they might be crying every night for all I know, but they don't break down. They keep showing up. I think a great example of this is Stephanie, um, who is a news editor at Spectator. She... Since she's come to Columbia, she's just been very busy. She has a lot of responsibilities. Her first semester, she did an internship in another state and traveled there on the weekends to do this internship while taking a full course load while working for Spectator. But I never once felt like she was a mess. She never was complaining. And so I think everyone deals with it with it differently. Um, but yeah, I think not comparing myself to others really helps. But there's also been times where I've I've definitely fallen for the the trap of almost liking the feeling of being stressed. Do you know what I mean? I definitely know what you mean. I feel like this is the definition of me in high school. And honestly, <laughs> okay, wait, I just have to say that in high school, Elise would not reply to my texts for, I would say, 15 business days minimum. <laughs> I would be sending text messages into the void. Literally like, hey, what's up, Elise? It's sending you all these pictures and memes. And it was just like nothing. I'm like, is this girl okay? Um, yeah, I was so bad about responding to my messages back then. Um, but <laughs> I think that um, I think wait, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, the stress. The stress. Um I also do that sometimes. And I think that we've done that with each other. There have been times during finals where I feel like all we ever talk about is how stressed we are. And it's almost like a little game. And we like send each other gifts and stuff about like being miserable. Um, I will say like during that, <laughs> I will. That sounds, that sounds terrible. I will say though, that I feel like when I'm doing that with you, it is a little bit more of a release. So like, I actually do find some joy in that. I think that stress is like what we're like the title, but I feel like the content is actually me release. It's like a release. So I don't really find that as negative, but it just depends on the person, I guess. I guess like one question that I am curious about is, do you feel like the culture at Yale can be, you know, a stress culture? Can it be a toxic culture? Because all the times that I've visited Yale, everyone seems so happy. I always get really good vibes. I don't get the same vibe that I get from Columbia. I also don't get the same vibe at Barnard that I get at Columbia. So yeah, yeah, I'm just that. I think, I mean, okay. What I will say is I really do think it depends on who you're around because there's some people that could say a completely different answer from what I'm going to say. 
I do think there's a certain level of stress, you know, or I mean, of where people like to talk about stress, um, just as in any situation, but something I've personally noticed at Yale, some people might have had different experiences, is I do feel like we're one of the chiller schools um, where you have people that, you know, they've, they've got to be like really smart and they've got to be accomplished and they, or they have got to be like stressed or got to be going through things because they're so busy, but they're just kind of chill. Like that's honestly how I would describe it. I feel like on a day-to-day basis, the people I encounter are pretty chill. They're pretty cool. There's not a lot of competition. I don't get that feeling there. I think that in some circles, people will tell you, oh, like um, certain majors, people might say are more competitive or more intense. But I would say overall, I feel like people are a little bit chiller, a little bit more relaxed. Hmm. That's just my personal experience. Um, and people just kind of seem like, I don't know, they, they don't seem really intense. They don't seem like they're trying to best you all of the time. That's not the, that's not what I've experienced. They seem really happy. They're who I aspire to be. If I ever get back to Columbia, I think if I ever get back to Columbia, I'm also going to have just such a greater appreciation for the little things like going to Joe Coffee and getting an overpriced iced latte. I will never take that for granted. Um, even going to the dining hall, even going to, I, I never thought I would miss standing in line at Ferris Booth Commons. Like, I literally, if someone would have said one day you're going to miss going into Ferris and having to wait and having your backpack pushed, I would have been like, you're lying. But I do miss those things. And I think that they will bring me a diff- like they'll bring me so much more joy than they did before because I know that you know there was once a time when I didn't get to do those things. Do you feel like in general as college has continued you've gotten happier and you've gotten a better grasp on what that means to you or like yeah that's a good question. I feel like it honestly is a little bit like, it's a little bit like a pendulum. Um, I think that it's kind of just like life. Like there's some times that are just better and there's some times that are not so great. I think that overall though, yeah, I mean, I do think I've learned some things. Like I mentioned earlier, limiting some of my extracurricular activities was something that was really important to me. Um, also realizing like there are going to be classes that I don't like, but you know, I think that at the end it'll bring me something that I want and just accepting that. Um, and just like finding joy in little things. I think those all are things that I've done more towards the end of school has, as college has progressed that have definitely helped my happiness level. I mean, I think that one thing that definitely helped, I'm not going to lie, like when you transferred to Columbia, that was so awesome, not only because my best friend was so close, but because we hadn't lived in close proximity in so long. I was in California, you were in Michigan. We finally could see each other on a regular basis. Also, I think it helps both of us because it allows us to go somewhere that's completely different from where we go to school, which is a really nice break. And I feel like that is something that I've really enjoyed um, since my sophomore year and has brought me a lot of joy. Yeah. And just on the note of transferring to Columbia, I think that's a great example of acknowledging that something is not working out anymore and changing your mind and taking action to change your circumstances. I I really want to emphasize that not to be corny, but wherever you are now, that doesn't have to be the final destination. You can leave, you know, you can leave a friendship, you can leave a job, you can leave a relationship, you can leave a university. And I remember that when I thought I was going to have to leave Syracuse, I called you acting like a fool I was acting like a hysterical fool looking back on it, being so dramatic. I was like, Elise, what am I going to do? And But I think that feeling lasted for about a day before I started, like, you know, planning to apply elsewhere. And I mean, sometimes you just have to be able to take action and take a leap of faith, really. Like your, Smith mentioned this, but your desire to be happy has to be greater than your fear of failure. 
I think that's such a good point. And I think the other thing that's really important to realize that I feel like we all forget sometimes is just that this is also going to sound really <laughs> cheesy, but you are the architect of your own happiness. No, if you, if you really think about it, I just want everyone to think about it. It's your life. If you don't, if something's not going well that you don't like, you can end it. You can stop it. You are writing your life. I think that's something too important. You are like the, you're also like the writer of your own life. You're writing a novel that is your life. If you don't like the chapter, erase it, change it, take it in another direction. You can do that. I don't think people understand that. Like <laughs> you can do that. You are driving the boat. If someone is in your boat that is making your boat sink, that's taking you in a wrong direction, throw them off Put them in the water. Exactly. <laughs> Get rid of them. Like if it's you, change your own self too. Like I think accountability, I would say that, wouldn't you say that I'm pretty good about that? Like when You're I, very good. Mm -hmm. when I make a mistake and when I do something wrong, even while I'm consistently doing the same thing, I'm not going to lie to myself and be like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm going to be like, yeah, I, I shouldn't be doing this. Right. And then eventually I'm going to change my mind or change my action. And I think also, like, I would say that I'm decent at taking criticism and listening to people. I don't always take people's advice in the exact moment, but I will say that I always listen to what people have to say. I always consider it, and it's always in the back of my mind. And sometimes, you know, three months later, you're like, they were right. Like, I should have just listened to them. My last question for you is, what are you still figuring out? What do you hope to figure out in the near future, in the long term? I mean, I think that one thing I'm always, I think that it's kind of a lifelong thing that you work with is just finding happiness. I think that that is always something um, that you will be working with. But um, for me, I will say that something is just like figuring out what I'm doing next career wise. I mean, I'm pretty sure that I want to go to medical school, but I'm also the kind of person I've learned honestly a lot from you, Ashley, to accept that sometimes like you're not exactly sure with what you want to do. And so I'm also okay with keeping my options open. Like that is the general plan, but you know, I haven't ruled out other opportunities because there are other things I'm interested in. And I think it's okay as a really young person to acknowledge that there may be multiple things you're interested in and you might just kind of have to feel it out. Um, so I think that I am still figuring that out a little bit, deciding exactly what I want to do post-graduation. Um, but I've, I'm actually okay with that, you know, and before I was not okay with that. <laughs> I think you know that there was this period like mostly sophomore year where I've always wanted to go to medical school. And I was kind of rethinking that and thinking of maybe law school or just something else completely. Um, and I really didn't like that feeling. I did not like that feeling of figuring it out. I hated that. I like very black and white. Like I have a plan. I know what I'm doing. I don't like the unknown. Um, and I remember you told me to find like some happiness, like in not knowing what you're going to do. Like there's something almost exciting about figuring it out, um, repetitive, but, and I have kind of embraced that. I think that I, after that time I did some more things that showed me I am still interested in medicine, but that it's also okay if I decide I want to do something else. So I've continued doing the things I need to do if I ultimately want to go to medical school, but I'm also okay with the fact that I might end up doing something else. Um, and I think that I'm, I've just like come to terms with the fact that figuring it out is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. It's a healthy thing. And honestly, when you're really, really young, it's almost kind of scary to have your exact life planned out. It's okay to have some room for discovering things. That's kind of part of the joy of being young, so to speak. Yeah, either way, you're going to be a baller. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Figuring It Out. I've been trying my best to use Lisa's accept and acknowledge tactic this past week. It's definitely much easier said than done, but I'm trying. 
Don't forget that the podcast is on Instagram at the Figuring It Out Pod. We're also on Twitter at Figuring It Out Pod. And lastly, you can follow my personal account on Instagram at Ashley underscore Garrison. On Friday, July 31st, we'll be back with another episode that's all about figuring out your career, which is something that I know is a bit of a stressor for a lot of people out there, including myself. Until then, our social media pages will have lots of updates, Q&As, and episode previews. Thank you so much for listening along as I try to figure things out. I'll talk to you soon.